0: become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Stars could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go. Find some place you know you can use your words change the world, just pretend express yourself, take a chance and you'll see who you'll be
0: It's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are Charity You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself.
2: It is said that the best things come from hard work with a little bit of luck. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and today the theme for our show is the gift of work. And I'm Kysine Kelly.
3: Express Yourself is produced by StarStyle Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on chapter from our award-winning book, be the star you are for teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. With this th-
2: week's theme, the gift of work, we're going to see how hard work often leads to the most rewarding results. To kick this show off, we have our wonderful Book It reporter, Courtney Cheng here to show us her take on what work means. Take it away, Courtney.
4: Hey guys, so I'm here with another segment of Book It, where I talk about recent and upcoming books, films, and music. With a vast number of books and media out in circulation now, my topic choice this week may seem a bit odd since, you know, it doesn't seem that difficult to find a book about people working, right? That may be true, but I wanted to choose a book where a character's work was significant and more than just another version of our own daily routines. In January 2014, Mariah Hummel published her novel Motherland, a story about a German mother caught in the middle of World War II. Liesel Kappus is the relatively new second wife of a respected surgeon, Frank, who has been drafted into military service. Liesel now faces the daunting task of raising Frank's three sons, an infant, a child, and a young boy, from his first wife alone. Not only are family tensions high because of this newly forged relationship, but there is also pressure from other external forces, refugee families moving into the Capus home, constant fear and concern regarding Frank's safety, and the growing illness of middle child Annie, who refuses to provide any explanation of any behavior that may have caused these symptoms. Throughout all of these happenings, Liesel tries to keep herself, both mentally and physically, occupied with menial tasks with just about any semblance of a household chore she can find around the house, even if her attempts are mostly in vain. This is not to say that Liesel's work was all actually in vain. Her situation was already limited, and she actively strove to make the most of her poor situation by creating work for herself. And even though Liesel's situation is a far cry from any of ours, thankfully, in the present day, much of her endeavors are ones that we too can mimic in our own lives. The word work often has a negative connotation because it suggests that you're always busy, you always have deadlines to meet and things to do, but this isn't necessarily true. Having work to do doesn't necessarily correlate to not having tasks finished. Having work could simply be your own way of keeping yourself busy, your mind sharp, your body active. Work can be anything as simple as working out by walking the dog, going on a walk, or hitting up the gym, or even sitting down to finish that book you've been meaning to finish for the past week. Keeping yourself busy with work that you choose for yourself is actually a good thing to do, particularly in the long summer months or when you don't have many other external obligations. The only concern you should be having with work is ensuring that it doesn't cut into your personal relaxation time.
2: I've actually never found a book that really told the story of somebody like that. It's really interesting to see how she had all those crazy chores to do and all these crazy tasks to do. And she was in the middle of that insane era and she still decided to find even more work to do because she wanted to keep herself busy. Do you do you try to give yourself work even when you don't have other obligations or tasks to do yourself?
4: Um I try to. I've realized as time goes on I'm I'm the sort of person who just likes keeping busy because it what even though I always then I feel like I always have something to do. When I finish all of these things even if it is, you know, like finishing a book or replying to an email my friend sent me 2 days ago like it does give me a feeling of accomplishment at the end of the day when i say i have actually done all these things with my day even though you know i wasn't actually doing anything like school related or academic or really mentally mm-hmm. challenging yeah. it just at, at least <laughs> i feel like i've done something with myself for that day
2: yeah yeah i, I
4: totally um, i totally agree with what you're saying there are like days
3: when like the difference between like me just watching netflix all day and then even if I just, like, go into my room and clean something up or organize something, I feel like at least I didn't waste that entire day. Um, yeah. <laughs> going off of that, what are your favorite things to work on for
4: yourself? What brings you the most enjoyment if you have extra time? Um, reading, actually, because now since there's, like, so much schoolwork, once I start school, I never have time to pick up a book for myself. It's always for the purpose of mm-hmm. for some class. Yeah. So whenever I have free time having the joy of actually finishing a book that I chose and I picked off the show for myself is like, is always great. And it's it always gets even better as time goes on.
2: <laughs> I would agree with that. You know, we were talking about Netflix earlier and I think, you know, it's kind of like finishing a season or like a show, <laughs> yeah. like when you yeah. finish a book, but you don't feel as guilty that you just sat on the couch and watched an entire series after yeah. you get up. But I think like reading a book or doing something simple like that actually gives you like, a feeling that you finished something that you, you finally. And I think that when you finish a book, you kind of feel like, okay, now what's next. And it's like, you want to do more and you want to read more. So how do you choose like the books that you want to read and what kind of genres do you usually gear towards?
4: Um, I, my books usually come from all different places. Um, For a while, I was reading a lot of Jane Austen earlier this summer, and now I'm trying, like, I'm getting a bit more into, like, currently published literature again. So I actually just finished Judy Bloom's new book in The Unlikely Event. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: That's awesome. I got really excited when you said um, Jane Austen because I finished Pride and Prejudice yesterday and was, like, fangirling over it yesterday (laughs) the entire day. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's
3: so, so funny. Um, do you think that if we try to set up something that will give us, um, do you think it's important to set up something that gives us daily tasks? Um, and even like when you have a lot going on, do you think it's important if, um, to just get something off of your checklist? So maybe if you have something that will take a really long time and you won't be able to accomplish it in the time you're sitting down to add something that you will be able to?
4: Um, I think that kind, of, that kind of depends on your personality because I know a lot of people, they've tried keeping agendas, they've tried making checklists, but it only makes them feel more pressure that they have to get things done. And if, you know, they don't have everything checked off on that list by the time they go to bed, then they become very stressed over it. So I think it's important to find that balance and know if you are the type of person who likes having a list to go by, or just really can't stand the pressure of it? So for me, it's taken me a while to not let the, like let a list that I've written down intimidate me. And I even when I'm making lists now, there's still kind of like struggle to be like, okay, so what is the most important, and I have to put at the top of the list so I know they will get done. But And what can I leave on, like, maybe, like, the bottom couple things that if I don't get done, it's fine because it wasn't that important anyway.
2: Yeah, priorit- prioritizing. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree with that. You know, I think it would be a good idea if you didn't exactly like make a list of things that you had to do because that does seem a lot more daunting and it just seems a little scary that you have all these things to get done in 24 hours. And it's not even 24 hours. You're pretty much going about your day in about 12 hours if you think about it. Um so with something that you would try and find to do during the day every day. I think you can find one simple thing that you want to get done every day, like going for a walk every day or making sure that all of your um you making sure your house is in order or just something simple uh that you can do during that one day so you don't feel like there's 20 things that you need to get one in, done in one day there's that one thing that you always want to do daily and you know you can make kind of like a weekly list i guess instead of having a daily list because i think you have more time and and uh kind of a easier mindset when you have a weekly list going on instead of feeling that you have to do all of these things in one day
4: totally i definitely agree with that
2: um, going off of that, I, I'm a big fan
3: of making lists. I always have like a <laughs> post-it note, like attached to my computer or my phone. And it's like the best feeling ever when you get everything done that, um, on that list. But going off of that, how do, what like advice can you give about making sure, um, yes, it's good to, um, give yourself a break, but also making sure you finish things on a timely matter. So maybe, um, that system of prioritizing things, but also, um, do you think it can help to have like taking breaks? Does that make you more productive in the long term?
4: Yes. Take it from a, a, a now fourth year in college student, taking breaks is very important. And anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. <laughs> so if if there's any, if you are ever like doing a task that will take several hours and, you know, you really don't want to be sitting around for like 4 or 5 6 hours straight so whenever you have something like that every 45 minutes 30 minutes an hour get up walk around mm-hmm. do something different drink water you know watch watch one video on youtube and then go back to work because giving yourself that physical and mental break will let you like have more energy and feel more mm-hmm. more like purpose when you go back to what you're doing, instead of feeling like, "Oh God, I still have three more hours, I still have to I have to get through all of this." Whereas like when you give yourself small breaks here and there, you will you won't feel as bogged down by the pressure and of everything that you have to get done.
2: That's a very good point. I think it's, this show is really good. For going into the new school year, especially if there's some college kids listening to this that are going into their freshman year of college, it's very scary. You know, I I just got done getting all of my college stuff done, so I think this is a good good show for people to listen to into the new school year. Yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely the kind of person
3: who um, has a hard time prioritizing. things.
2: That's I <laughs> well, think yeah. is useful. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for your awesome input about what work means to you. During the break, everyone, be sure to check out our radio site at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Kaisine Kelly.
3: Also, please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on the gift of work.
2: on Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are Charity. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and today our show is all about the gift of work. And I'm Kysine Kelly.
3: Today we have Brooks Olbries on the show with us. Brooks is a great supporter of the Be The Star You Are Charity, and he is the author of The Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob, a book series about spreading important philosophies to children. Blue Ocean Bob loves the sea and wants to dedicate his life to protecting it. He begins a new job as assistant to Mary Marine, the Island of Roses' leading marine biologist. And with his hummingbird guardian, Zena by his side, works hard to carry out his duties to the sea creatures, both on and off the shore. When the challenges mount, Bob seeks advice from Doc the Turtle, Earl the Clam, and Wallace the Walrus, who each help him to develop the positive attitude he needs to succeed. The Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob, A Challenging Job, is the second installment in this colorful and inspiring early chapter book series that provides young readers with an introduction to timeless principles of achievement.
2: So without further ado, welcome back to our program, Brooks. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So with your book, you kind of talk about important points of achievement uh, and kind of spread them around to children so they have an early insight on all these principles and all these philosophies that they need to get through life. What are the principles of achievement, uh, and why do they matter for the children?
5: Well, it's, you just described the second book in the series. Uh, each book is five chapters Each Mm -hmm. chapter is uh, basically has a principle that it treats. So I'm right now working on the third book. uh, Oh, good. um, So all in all, there's 15 principles. I can can go over them with you. Uh, Basically, in the first book, it was purpose, vision, goals, attitude, and persistence. Mm -hmm. Um, That's Blue Ocean Bob discovering his passion for, for protecting the oceans, for becoming a marine biologist, and basically looking to... Some of the wise creatures on his island to give him advice until he finally lands a job with his mentor, Mary Marine, who is kind of the leading biologist on, on his island. The second. Oh, book, good.
2: Okay. Yeah,
5: the second book treats five more principles. Um, that one just came out last year. It's called "A Challenging Job: Adventure uh, mm-hmm. to Puachia Bob: A Challenging Job." So as the title suggests, he, he's now t- taking on the role as assistant to Mary Marine. And he learns about confidence, responsibility, communication, gratitude, and the last principle of success, which, not that he is completely successful, but he discovers what success means, which is moving the direction of his dreams um, Mm -hmm. as he goes. The next book, which is coming out uh, this April, and will be the third, and uh, I like to think of this as a trilogy in the way the story unfolds, Uh, Mm -hmm. he learns about courage. Creativity, decision, action, and leadership, and he actually t- takes over for Mary on the island when she's called away, and he finds himself uh, someone to help him, uh, all with the help of the sea creatures and, and their advice. So, those are that's a lot of principles. Um,
1: that's so that's cool.
5: Yeah, a lot of <laughs> yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah. But it it's boiled down. I mean, each chapter you know is is written in rhyme. It's uh, you know, let's say eight pages. Um, and easily digestible, and so while it seems like this, you know, fifteen percentiles yeah. may be a lot. It's just meant to be an introduction uh, for kids ages, kind of anywhere from five to uh, to nine, and oh. uh, and it's uh, it, it's stuff we 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 study all our lives, right? I mean, it's stuff that you yeah. know. Yeah, uh,
2: I think that's a good age out. to start at.
5: Yeah, it's it's an introduction. It's a it's something that I didn't see out there for kids
2: yeah. uh, of that age. Yeah.
5: And that's why, I and if you just you know talk about, for high school kids, you can just talk about these principles and you can, you can go and have a yeah. class on, you know, decision making. But mm-hmm. for someone that young, I thought, you know, that's not going to be very exciting. Let's kind of subtly put it into a story that they're enticed by, that they enjoy, and they just kind of start to get an idea for what these things are about.
3: Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of funny that you're talking about that because today I was writing um, some of my college essays and I was talking about how... Um, the most important morals to me are ones that I found in literature. So how do you think learning these concepts during childhood can actually encourage success during adulthood?
5: Well, I think it basically a lot of these things we pick up subconsciously, uh, and I think the earlier we can learn them and just start acting on them and acting on these principles, the better off we'll be. So I don't think these books are going to be the end all for anyone, but I think they Will be a starting point for someone, and when they 're in high school and they 're writing their essays and they 're maybe reading some literature, they think back, "Oh yeah, you know I, I remember that you know chapter on attitude, and maybe you know taking a positive attitude towards this application process is going to help me, and, and I can write about it or there 'll be something they 'll think about and write about it 's just something they can continue to use so I, I just think that all these principles are so valuable in life that you know it 's never too early to start learning them.
3: Yeah, definitely. I agree.
2: I agree. You know, especially when they're getting at that age where they're starting to really soak more of the environment around them because, you know, they're able to kind of voice what they feel. They're kind of able to voice their thoughts, and they're able to kind of get into conversation with others. So now that when they're getting all of this education and information that's positive for them, they're able to soak it in a lot easier because they, they're in that kind of intelligence at that stage of intelligence to where they can easily understand it and kind of apply it and really remember it if it has a positive enough impact on their lives. And with your personal experience, how did you come to write this book and how did you start to study the uh, philosophies of achievement? What caused you to start doing this?
5: Um, well, I think I started learning about these principles and reading about them when I was about your year- age, um, mm-hmm. when I was kind of a sophomore in high school and thinking about, you know, going to college and trying to figure my way out, you know, how was I going to make these things happen. And I actually started to read Napoleon Hill's book called Law of Success back then. And I didn't really think about it in the many, many intervening years until about 2006 when I was kind of starting to look for, for things to improve I'm a, an entrepreneurial investment banker, so I have a small advisory investment bank, I'm also a lawyer, but I have a small firm, and so I was looking for ways to improve it. I also had a young son, who at that time was about three, and so mm. I was starting to study these materials again, and kind of rediscovered them. Um, everyone's heard of the, the movie, The Secret, and or maybe not everyone, but a lot of people, and yeah. I think that kind of, yeah. kind of sparked my interest as well. And so as I started to study these things pretty in depth, Um, And then I'd go home at night and read stories to my son. I thought, God, I wish I could transfer some of this information to him now. Um, And the books I was reading to him, some of them did, but most of them didn't have any kind of real kind of learning purpose behind them more than entertainment. So I kind of put them together and said, you know, this would be a great idea. And I actually took it to someone um, whose name is Bob Proctor, and I said, Bob, you know, you should find someone to do this because... That these principles could be put into a story. And I gave him the whole story of the kid who lives on the island and the sea creatures, and he said, that's a great idea, but why don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really didn't, I wasn't a writer per se, and I thought, really? He like, yeah, give it a try. So about six months later, I went back to him with some drafts and some, some illustrations even that I'd gotten from uh, someone I knew or some, through someone I knew, and he just loved it, and he really encouraged me and that was kind of just like Bob in the story gets encouragement from Wallace the walrus or, mm-hmm. or Pearl the clam or, or Doc the turtle. Bob Proctor was the encouragement I needed to say, you know what, this is a this is a, a useful endeavor and it is something that's worth doing and it's worth trying. And if he approves, because, you know, he's an expert in this area, if he mm-hmm. thinks these stories I'm writing are valuable, have, have impact, then I better just do this. And so... <laughs> yeah. I guess you know. I think the lesson there is, you know, maybe all of us need a little encouragement at times. We do um, to move forward. So, so then I just started, and I and it worked with my son, and he really enjoyed it. He helped me with the illustrations. He, re, he listened to uh-huh. every story and gave me comments. You know, and this is he's now 11,
0: so yeah, <laughs> so he's lived this
5: for you know seven eight years now, um, and uh, he's he's been very supportive. That's so
3: awesome. That's really cool. So you talked a lot about your son and how basically the idea and the synthesis for this book came about um, because of your desire and how you saw that there was a, um, a lack of books like this. So how has your role as a father impacted your desire to see young people succeed?
5: Oh yeah, I mean I, th- I think any parent would tell you just becoming a parent changes your whole view on the world and and what you want to accomplish, what you want to do for your children, and you know. It's- more than what you want for yourself, and, and so when I saw the impact it could have on, on my son Nicholas, and I and and I saw you know his friends, and, and I started to get involved. I just really learned that I loved working with kids. Um, mm-hmm. I think if I hadn't been a investment banker, maybe I would have been a third grade teacher. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but in this way, actually, in, in many ways, I, I'm kind of fulfilling that role because I get invited to do readings. Um, I'm working with different literacy charities, including your own, um, getting a chance to share the books. And it, it actually suits me perfectly because I don't have to be a teacher. I can just come in and, and read it and share it and, and, and work with kids. So I just think that this could have real positive impact. And, you know, these principles had a huge impact on me. I mean, I went to the, you know great university. I went to a great law school, and it wasn't mm-hmm. predestined by any stretch. Um, you know, I applied these principles, and I, I worked really hard, and I – I try to stay positive, and I try to be persistent, and all these various things. and And so, I know it works, um, and it's been really valuable for me. And so, I just, especially kids who don't have all the resources, I see, you know, their reaction to my books and to just the spark that they that they suddenly realize, uh, uh-huh. wow, you know, I can pursue something I love, and and I can be successful doing that. And so, it's 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 been a great. Great thing for me, and I just really I think it's something I'll probably do forever at this point. I mean, I'll continue to work on this for a long time.
2: That's really, really cool. I'm really glad that you're being able to do this and that you're taking that initiative to really put that out for out there for the use of this society. So, what is your you were mentioning how you would talk to your son about this. What does your son think of it now?
5: Well, he used to be the audience. <laughs> and give me commentary. Now he's more of like my advisor and you know, oh, wow. get his, his attention. He'll give me a few minutes here and there, but he's very perceptive. I mean, I don't know. Kids just have a way of just seeing something or saying something, so I don't need much of his time. I just know when to go to him and I say, you know, take a look at this illustration and he'll just immediately say, the walrus is too small or, you know, where's Xena? Um, or I'll, I'll cool. read him something and he'll say, Dad, that sounds a little corny. You know, you got to change that. You That's know, and, really and then cool. he moves on. <laughs>
2: that's funny well thank you so much for this information we thank you for all the work that you do and the lessons that you give and also thank you so much for sponsoring our pair festival book booth on september 26th where we will be giving away copies of your inspirational picture book the adventures of blue ocean bob stick around because we definitely want to hear more from you During the break, everyone, be sure to check out Brooke Olbrey's website at blueoceanbob.com and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash blueoceanbob. For more info, I'm Asia Gonzalez.
3: And I'm Kaisine Kelly. Also remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. We'll be back in the next segment as we continue our conversation with Brooke. You don't care how you got here we're just glad you showed up you're listening to voice america kids
0: bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more we'll tackle the classics the bestsellers and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book.
1: What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon Appetit!
2: Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and today's hot topic is the gift of work.
3: And I'm Kysine Kelly. We are back with the amazing Brooks Ulbries. As a lifelong student of achievement philosophies, Brooks was inspired by his young son to make these philosophies accessible to children in the storybook series, The Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob. A graduate of Stanford University, the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts, and the University of California at Berkeley School of Law, Brooks is the founder of Children's Success Unlimited and a managing, a managing director at investment bank Ion Partners. He lives with his wife and son in New York City and greatly enjoys escapes to the North, North and South American coastlines. Hi again, Brooks. Thanks for staying with us.
5: Hi. Right, thanks for having me.
3: So um, before the break, we were talking a lot about um, your son and how um, he has impacted your role and um, basically helped you shape what you're going to write about. So you also talk a lot about um, the ocean and caring for the planet, which is really important information for young people to have. So what brought you to write with the sea in mind?
5: That's, that's a good question because that, that's not something that necessarily popped out of personal development literature. but. You know, I thought if I'm if I'm going to do something, I want to try to do something that can have as many positive impacts for kids as, as I can. And I just happen to personally love the ocean, and I love to scuba dive. It's something I learned how to do maybe I don't know 15 years ago, and we take many trips to uh, kind of ocean destinations. And I've just always been fascinated by sea, you know, the sea, the rivers, lakes, everything. And I've always lived near near those things as well. So, um, it was really a personal interest to have the story set in an ocean environment, have an environmental kind of converse, converse uh, um, impact, so that you know there'd, there'd be more than just just a, a, a story that you know had had these principles, but had some other uh, nat- natural benefits as well. And, and I have to say, from an illustrator's point of view, or a someone who guides an illustrator, Um, there's just so much material to deal, to, to work with in the oceans and the sea creatures, and I just found a very, very rich environment for that as well.
2: I love the ocean. I love being by the beach. It's so pretty there. It's pretty much my home. And, you know, with the views that you get when you're there, did you work with editors and illustrators on this project to really get that view and that feeling of, you know, being by the ocean? Yeah, I
5: you know, I've worked obviously with a couple different illustrators, one on the picture book and then with Alessandra and then Kevin on, on the early chapter books. Mm-hmm. And I always thought out photographs um, and different, different examples that, that I could share with them of you know, natural, you know, real-life images and, and let them kind of use their creativity to expand on it. And I think they both have done a wonderful job with that. And uh, you know, Kevin's, you know, in the last book I sent him a folder probably of you know hundred images that I had found, um, and I just said, you know, here's just inspiration. You know, I didn't give him you know, say you know use this or that, but it, um, just gave him inspiration. And then with regard to the illustrations, I would give a prompt and say, have the image be this, but he would, you know, create it out of his own you know creativity, mm-hmm. his, own, his own his own imagination. Um, so it's been. It's been it's been a collaborative effort in that in
2: that regard that's really cool
3: yeah that's so cool and it's all it's also really fascinating to me how you went down this path of law and then you ended up writing children's books so um coming from (laughs) that non-traditional path what can you share with others who may want to write children's books and getting into it if they haven't necessarily spent their whole entire career writing but instead doing something else
5: yeah i think this would go for anything you know it's not that I sat down and said I want to write children's books. Um, it's what happened was I thought I want to convey these ideas to kids. What's the best way to do that? And I think if you're following your your gut, your heart, your passion, you really have a purpose behind what you're doing. And that's the whole you know the whole uh, emphasis of the first book of George and uh-huh. Bob. You will be able to do it. You know, you will figure out a way. You will find people to help you. You will. If you really want to do it, you will. You will find a way to do it. And if you really think it's meaningful, you will find a way to do it. And so, I never could have told you, you know, ten years ago that I would write a children's book. Never even crossed okay. my mind. But that—that's kind of, you know, someone like Bob Proctor would say we all have these these nascent things within us that we don't even recognize, just waiting to you know come out if we just allow them. If we just say, you know what, I'm not going to given to the doubt or the the questioning. I'm just going to give it a try. I'm just going to take the first step and start doing it. And if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't said, you know what, I'm going to go talk to Bob and tell him about this. And if he said, when he said, give it a try, if I hadn't written that first story, it would have been done, right? It never would have happened. That would have been fine too, I suppose. But it's given me so much pleasure and and I think is doing something worthwhile that I think the advice would be, if you have that feeling, that instinct, you know what, go with it. Give it a try. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen is you know you spend a little time on something that doesn't work out or you find mm-hmm. out you didn't really like it or you weren't as passionate about it as you thought you were but you know why not give it a try.
2: And I think and that so, happens with every single successful person there has been in history that you'll waste time on something that you know wasn't successful but you'll find something else that works.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, in this personal development kind of uh, philosophy they talk about Thomas Edison, right? 10,000 attempts. To create the incandescent light bulb, right, and he eventually mm-hmm. did, but he wasn't going to give up until he did it. And people think, oh, it just happened. No,
4: <laughs>
5: he really had to work, work hard. And you know, these, these books that I've written—I mean, they're not you know well known all over the world yet, but you know, maybe in twenty, 20 years, yeah, they, they will could be. be. So yeah. yeah, they could. They certainly could, and, and and I hope they will be. And I'll, you know, be working to make it happen. So yeah, so that's you know that that would be my advice, and especially you know, for you who are going off to college and have you know so much ahead of you. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, experiment and, and, and follow, go after things that you, you really enjoy. That's, that's when you're going to really find your success, I think, because exactly. you will be driven to continue.
2: Exactly. Uh-huh. Now, how hard was it to get this book published? You know, tell us about your journey and, and all the difficulties and the six and the successes, you know, how was it trying to get this published?
5: Yeah, I, you know, I started to learn about the children's book industry by going to these conferences. There's two a year. There's something called Society of Children's Book Wri- uh, uh, children's Writers and Illustrators, S-E-B-W-I. And I learned there that submitting a text to one of these big uh, uh, publishers wasn't really the route for me. Because even if they accepted it, I'd lose total control. And so mm-hmm. I decided to self-publish the first one. And I didn't even submit it. It. Not not that it would have been accepted by Random House, but I didn't even submit it. I decided to self-publish it just to kind of get it going. Then so I self-published the, the picture book, which means I outsourced everything to an independent contractor. Once I had the picture book, I, I said, you know, I could use a little more help, a little more uh kind of focused attention. And so I found a publisher called Greenleaf Book Group, and they were focused on independent authors. They you know don't take everybody, but they liked the stories, mm-hmm. and they knew I published the first one, and they said, "Okay, well, we'll help you." So I actually started working with them, and they've ha- they've worked with me on the, the the early chapter books, and I think definitely improved the production. Uh, they also mm-hmm. have a distribution arm, and so they get me into all you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know Ingram, which are the big distributors, and uh and they also have the staff and support that. That's really helped me. So, you know, I thought along the way, yeah, you could, you could submit it to a big publisher, but it just that never appealed to me as much because I wanted to create something and I had a very specific idea of what I wanted to create. And, and I just wouldn't have been able to do that at a traditional publisher. But yeah. someone like Greenleaf provided the, the right mix for me.
3: Hmm. Definitely. I think it's super important that you talked about working hard because I think a lot of times there's a misconception when you see someone who's really successful to think, oh, they were lucky or they had um, their big break and they didn't work hard, but seeing and you talk about how you had to work hard and you uh, went to different conferences and talked to a bunch of people and had advice from mentors is really inspiring. Um, As a person who's super interested in technology – um, I really like seeing how all the different fields are changing to adapt. So, how do you see the children's book publishing industry changing with new technology like tablets or applications? Like maybe you want to create a game, um, and with internet marketing like social media and stuff.
5: Yeah, all the, you know, I've used all those things. The first book, uh, Journey Begins, is also an iPad app. So there's a book app. The, the first chapter is free. It's just oh, about awesome. the, the full book. Is like, you know, very inexpensive. But what's great about it is it has interactivity, it has um, a glossary, or, or kind of uh, you can touch a word and it'll give you the definition. It's got a couple of little games, it has slider puzzles, things like that. So that technology is there. Um, it's, I've had, you know, I've probably had about as many downloads or more than books sold. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so because it's just so much easier and also global um, but I still think the physical book is important as the backbone of, of kind of the series and from what I can tell in the publishing industry I do go to some of these events and conferences You know, it's the children's book market not necessarily the adult market but the children's book market I think because of the nature of reading to kids physical books and also the illustrations and things like that is as strong as ever there's still uh-huh. adding on to that is the digital market, the, the apps, the uh the ebooks, um, the games, the different things that you can do um is adding to the market, but it's not it's not collapsing the traditional physical book market, which which I think is good. Um also as far as, you know, social media is just a great, great I mean I'm finding with with my kind of marketing efforts, you know like Facebook are just so effective, if nothing else, because it, you can be so targeted. You can, you uh-huh. and you can really see what happens, and you can see who clicks, and you can see, you know, what effects certain things have versus traditional print media and things like that. You just, it's it's hard to know. And so, so I think the the internet and, and with its reach is just going to get stronger and st- stronger.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I, still,
5: but I still think you know making the books is important to me to have the physical books, you know, to back it up. I, I wouldn't uh-huh. go necessarily straight to an ebook uh
0: yeah. for, for a children's book.
2: Oh no, yeah. I think the physical feeling of holding and reading a book is just awesome very and important. easier. Yeah.
3: Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much Brooks for joining us on the program today and sharing all your insight. Keep up the great work and we will keep rooting for you. Check out Brooks Aubrey's website at blueoceanbob.com and on Facebook at facebook.com/blueoceanbob for more info. And to learn more about the Pear Festival featuring the book giveaway of Brooke's book, The Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob, visit www.starstyleradio.net and click on Events. I'm Kysene Kelly.
2: And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Also during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be the Star You Want 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation.
1: We didn't invent kid talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. Tune in to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs in general. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, or 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel.
3: I'm Christine Kelly, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of work.
2: And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Going off the topic of hard work, I'm going to be sharing a little insight on the scholarship that I recently won as a teen entrepreneur and the work behind the honor. So I started my business when I was about 13, and I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) I kind of went off of a little risk-taking and with some help from my parents, and the farther I went through my journey of being a teen entrepreneur, the more I realized how hard it was to get to where I wanted to be. And a lot of people kind of had some doubts in me. They would say, you know, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to make as much money as you wanted to make and you're just not going to be as popular as you think you're going to be. And I was thinking in my mind every time someone said that. I was like, I'm not really interested in making millions of dollars right off the bat. I know it's going to take a long time to be able to do that. So right now this is all for experience because it looks really good on my college applications and I could win scholarships this way. It's just a way for me to get out there and to experience things because I do want to be a fashion designer and I want to have my own label. So, you know, why not start some sort of business that will help me get into that kind of industry? So uh, I took a lot of sacrifice time and I took a lot of uh mentoring from others and kind of really researching how I was going to do this. And I was invited to join a team of teen entrepreneurs to travel around the country to talk to teens about entrepreneurialism and really talk to them on, you know, how we did this, what our stories were. And the more I got into doing that and the more I got into building my business and and just really getting into a bunch of other things that I really wouldn't have had the opportunity to when I didn't have a business and it was really awesome to see all these new things that were popping up in my life and all these new opportunities to have these new ventures in my life and then I was invited to be on this radio show and I was super excited and I love doing it it's so fun and I love telling people that I am a part of a radio show that talks about everything related to teens and they're like really that's so cool you know we'll, we'll listen to it sometime so it's really cool to hear of all the people that have been supporting me. So when I got nominated for this scholarship, I was like, oh my gosh, really? I was so shocked and surprised and really excited and honored to have been nominated out of thousands of teens who were being looked at for this scholarship. And I was one out of five who won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And with that came the $5,000 for a scholarship and then we found out that there was an additional $10,000 to be won. Uh, two people would be awarded it. One was an award for the Teen Entrepreneur of the Year, and another was the Dan Danner Leadership Award of 2015. And out of me and four other kids who I had just met, one of them I was really good friends with, uh out of all these teens that I, that I was with accepting this award, I was just like how, you know, it's, it's such an honor to be here, but I wasn't expecting to win the other scholarship, the extra 10,000. You know, I was, I was honored, but I wasn't really saying, oh, you know, yeah, I'll win this award. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to win this thing. I was, you know, glad just to be there and to meet new people. And, and, I treated pretty much the whole trip as an experience, an experience to meet new people, meet fellow teen business owners and the senators of Colorado. I met uh, Michael Bennett. I met Corey Gardner. And the experience of traveling the world and visiting historical sites that made me really appreciate even more that I you know, grew up in America and that I had the freedom to do something like this and that I had the opportunities to be nominated for an award like this. So when I got the... Dan Dan Leader, Dan Danner Leadership Award of 2015, I was in total shock. I was, I just stood there for a second because you were you were supposed to, we were all standing in a line and the award presenters were standing on the side of us holding our, um, holding our awards. And I kind of just stood there for a second. I was like, wait, did they just call my name or was <laughs> I hearing that wrong? <laughs> and I just stood there for a second and they're like, and someone was like, Asia, you won. And like, I, I was like, oh my gosh. And so I, went, I walked up there, accepted my award, and could not stop smiling that entire time. It was so funny.
3: That's awesome. Well, congratulations. That sounds like a really awesome experience. Oh, it was um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important for people to um, pursue whatever passion they have. And can you talk a little bit more about? how you stayed motivated? Because I think especially when you have a long-term goal, it's hard to stay motivated. So how did you do that?
2: Long-term goals are very hard to stay motivated with. And it can go for anything. It can go for a health goal. It can be a financial goal. It can be a life goal that you want. Um, But it's very hard. You know, I'm I'm going to admit that it is hard to stay motivated. There are times where you're going to be like, I really don't want to do this anymore. And that those were pretty... uh, they weren't frequent, but they came. There came a time where I did feel like that, where I didn't want to do it anymore. That I was tired, and that you know my mind was telling me, "Oh, I, you want a normal teenage girl life where you would go to the mall with your friends and go shopping and do all these things." But then later on, I would be thinking, you know, not every teenage, you know, individual gets to do this. Not every teenage, yeah. teenager gets to travel the world and and meet all these business owners. You know, not every teenager gets to meet the CEO of Redbox. Not every teenager gets to meet the founder of MapQuest and have him as a mentor. Not every teenager gets to travel to different states to talk to other teens about being an entrepreneur. So when I was feeling down and feeling very uh, discouraged that's when I would think about that. Not every teenager has this opportunity. So I'm very lucky to have this. And that's what I would tell others, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in. It doesn't matter what kind of financial stance you're in, what kind of family you came from, what kind of childhood this was over, uh, this, uh, what kind kind of childhood that you really had. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're still in it, if it's over or not, if, whatever you had going on in your life. It doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in. You have a dream. You can do it. Just all you have to do is look for the resources. All you have to do is pretty much have that confidence in yourself and take that giant leap of faith that it's going to work. I started that business that I have right now. And I was like, how in the world am I going to do this? I've never taken a class. I've never read anything. I've never had anybody tell me this is how you run a business. And at 13 years old, obviously, I am not a part of a group uh, that would tell me how to run a business. And, you know, I didn't have any connections at the time. I was in eighth grade, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, how does this happen? And then the very first interview that I had, I was on CNN Live. And, you know, the whole time, you know, I was doing great. I was just talking um they would ask me questions i would answer and then i will i would uh you know answer the questions and then she was like okay thank you so much for being with us and then it ended and then i just burst out crying i was like oh my yeah. gosh what did i just do i was on cnn live oh my gosh so being 13 at that time and just realizing that you know i'm starting a business i don't know what i'm doing and then being 18 right now and having my business still but being able to go farther and farther now that I have this scholarship it's kind of given me a sense of you know after all this hard work I'm being recognized for it so being a, an adult now pretty much having this business still with me is like I've accomplished that long-term goal and Knowing that I have the money for college, I was really scared that I wouldn't be able to pay for it. You know, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go into college and then I'm going to have all these student loans that I'm going to have to take out. And then I'm going to be in debt my whole life and I'm going to have to pay thousands of dollars just to get rid of this college debt. And once I got these scholarships, I actually entered in a few more scholarships that gave me, you know, a couple couple thousand dollars as well. I now have the opportunity to pay for my first two years of college and knowing that it's, it still hits me every time I think about it. And I'm just so happy that I, that I got this gift of being able to go to college without having to worry about finances.
3: Yeah. So looking forward, you talked about how you want to start your own line. Um, Do you think you're still going to continue your business into your adulthood or do you think it's going to morph into that um, new self-branded line?
2: I think I'm going to keep it until I do my actual fashion line because Stinky Feet Girls was actually a business for experience. And, you know, if I can, you know, morph it into something new, that would be really cool. If I can further it as I get older, that would be really cool. But I'm really set on having that that kind of, uh, fashion line that I've really built up over the years ever since I had that dream. So I'm really thinking on what I'm going to do with it. If I'm going to, you know, keep going with it until I can, you know, do something with it. And, um, but I will definitely keep the charity that's with it. Uh, she is worth it, which is a preventative awareness campaign against child sex trafficking. All the proceeds from stinky feet girls go towards she is worth it. But Even if I get rid of stinky feet girls or if I just stop doing it, she is worth it. We'll we'll still be connected to any other venture that I do.
3: That's awesome that you're keeping a bigger charity aspect in mind, which I think is really important and really empowering because you started this at such a young age. Um, So do you think, so you talked about using your scholarship money um, for college.
2: Um, Do you think you have a certain plan for your education to pursue um, your business? Yeah, I'm going to use it to go to community college for about two years taking business classes and then after those two years at my community college, I'm going to use the rest of my scholarship money uh, to go to CU of Denver to pursue some financial and um, just finance and accounting classes just so I can get more of a view into how that part of business works out and just to get more of an insight and more education on that. That's awesome. Well,
3: thank you, Asia, for sharing your story and inspiring others. As always, all good things must come to an end. And this show gave us an in-depth look at the power of work. Work hard, play hard, live well. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Nick. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated
2: program. I'm Kysine Kelly. And I'm Asia Gonzalez, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an honor global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be worker, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. If you would let yourself